0: Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah! Show number 2370. This week we're celebrating the Rolex Monterey Motorsports Reunion. It takes place August 16th through the 19th at the iconic Laguna Seca racetrack. Buckle up, we're going racing, and be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah! Where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in Burbank, California, with a very special guest by the name of Tom McIntyre. Tom, welcome to Cars Yeah. Are you having a gear, and are you ready to release the clutch?
1: I am ready to go.
0: You're a guy that when I say that to, I go, this is just silly because this guy's been ready to release a clutch his whole life, it seems like, because of what you've been doing in the vintage racing world. And before I introduce you properly and we talk more about that, I always ask all my guests to go a little deeper and share something about yourself that most people maybe don't know about you.
1: Mm. Hmm. Well, uh, gosh, um, I guess uh, a little-known fact probably is – when I was quite a bit younger, I I did I did quite a bit of singing, and uh, that's that's something that I think my friends uh, wouldn't expect to hear. Uh, so so that uh, that was a lot of fun. I uh, I performed uh, a cappella and sang. A Bach for some reason in German, and so I know it's crazy, but it was uh, it was really a lot of fun for me and and something I enjoyed for eight or nine nine year period. Yeah, that was fun.
0: Well, you've got you've got a great voice, so uh, I want to ask you to sing today. I was trying to think. Let's see, who's birthday? If if we'd been recording this yesterday, I just had a uh, my first granddaughter born. You could have sung Happy Birthday to her.
1: (laughs) Oh, isn't that nice? Congratulations!
0: (laughs) Absolutely, pretty special in our world. But I won't make you sing today. Instead, we will talk. Talk about race cars singing as they go down full RPM down the track. So let me introduce you. Tom McIntyre is a vintage racer who's been enjoying lapping tracks since 1961. Jeez, I think I was two years old then. Holy cow, you got me beat a little bit. However, he's really more of a conservator. Tom carries other titles too, including successful businessman. He was an entrepreneur in every sense of the word before the noun became a commonplace moniker. But in the automotive realm, even though his business acumen is primarily autobound, He is a caretaker entrusted with protecting, preserving, and more importantly, enjoying some of the finest racing machines that the world's craftsmen and artisans have ever made. Every one of his treasures has their own unique story and a unique emotional attachment for Tom. And like a proud father, he knows them all and is pleased and patient to share these vehicle stories with anyone who is interested and has the time to listen. And that's what we're going to do today. But first, a word from our sponsors. They keep the gas in our racing tanks here, so give them a little love. Buckle up. We'll be right back. Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up. 9324 and protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Did you know that Cars Yeah is in the top 1% of all podcasts based on listenership, according to Lipson, the premier RSS feed for podcasts in the United States? That's right. Plus, DuPont Registry recommended Cars Yeah is one of their top ten car podcasts. For you to enjoy, CarsYah has experienced tremendous growth. Plus, your ads are evergreen, meaning they never go away. And more and more listeners find CarsYah every day for their daily dose of automotive inspiration. Do you want to expose your brand to a highly targeted list of automotive enthusiasts in a very unique and very personal way? Well, I can help you. Contact me, Mark Green, at markcarsyah.com or through the website at carsyah.com today to learn more. on the current markets they cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions and linkage magazine has grown mailing you six issues annually join me on this journey with linkage they're geared for the automotive life you can subscribe at linkagemag.com We are back. Now, we could do 10 shows on you and what you've done with racing, but we've only got one to play with here. And we're going to be talking about this upcoming Rolex historic races, which are just probably some of the most special ones in the country. But I do want to go back in time a little bit first and start with a company that you had that is pretty cool, because not only have you been into vintage race cars for a long, long time, but you had a business in the automotive world, ACSCO Products in Burbank. Pretty cool. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got into that business?
1: Well, that was a, a real uh, <laughs> real fun project and uh, a, quite a surprising one for me in that, you um, my dad sold nuts and bolts and screws to the aircraft industry. And he was over at Hughes Aircraft down off of Imperial Highway. And as he was leaving, he looked over his shoulder and saw some sports cars running around. So he went over there. Surely they would need nuts and bolts and screws. And he walked in the door and they said, yeah, yeah, we need nuts and bolts and screws. That's for sure. You wouldn't know anybody that makes nameplates, would you? Hmm. So (laughs) dad and I Got on the phone. He called me that night and said, "Well, didn't you tell me you were casting metal and and you were you were doing other things? Could you make a nameplate?" using that process that you just learned in school? <laughs> and I, I said, well, I'll go ask my teacher and maybe, you know, so my teacher looked at me quizzically and said, well, of course we can make a nameplate. He said, let's, let's turn it into a school project and nice. uh, class project. So we all worked away at it and built a little mold and made some samples real quick. I sent them down to dad and he took them in the door over there at Shelby's uh, and they turned around and said, well, this looks really nice. Um could you make one like this? So anyway, I started making drawings. Uh, I had engineering classes and I, I started uh, designing nameplates and emblems for Shelby cars. Oh my and, gosh. Uh, I was still in school. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, this is such a cool story. Now you say nameplates and we all know what the kind of concept of emblems, but was it basically like the word Shelby or the circle with the cobra in it? or Are we talking about yes. all those things?
1: All of those things. We did them all, the coiled snake and so on and so forth, working directly with their designers, you know, Peter Brock and and some of the other fellows that, that came and went. Then Ford Motor bought them shortly after we walked through the door. And uh, and they said, well, you know, we've inherited you as a supplier. So now I'm <laughs> a supplier to Ford Motor.
0: Oh my gosh. Boom.
1: So they said, well, we want to make a Torino Cobra and we want to make, can you make all these badges? And then it was a Mercury Cougar. And then it was
0: wow
1: badges for just about every high performance car that was being built at the time. Then GM found us and said, you know, we we want to build a Z28. And can you make that one? And and uh, <laughs> then it was Oldsmobile knock on the door and said, we want to build a 442. And then very fortuitously, Toyota, Honda, Mazda, all those guys moved to Los Angeles, their headquarters at the end of the Harbor Freeway. And they all came with Japanese cars with Japanese names on them. So they needed to rebadge all their cars with U.S. names, course, and yeah. and they had a Ford engineer working for him. He said, oh, you're in luck. I We've, know a guy. Uh, there's, a, <laughs> there's a guy right here in Southern California that'll rebadge these cars for you. He does lower volumes, and he said, you're not going to sell very many of these things anyway. <laughs> so, Ouch. Uh, they called, and, and I started rebadging all of the Toyotas and Hondas and Mostas in that were coming into the country. So oh that gosh. that turned out to be a really really neat project. You know, that was probably 1978. Mm-hmm. You know, honestly, uh, I uh, got off the phone about an hour ago in a team meeting uh, working on Toyota badge for 2026. And oh
0: my
1: uh, gosh! So we're oh we're gosh. still very very actively engaged in making the chrome nameplate and you know for those i guess who don't really understand what we're talking about it's the the bright shiny chrome emblem on the back of the car that says 2.2.6 liter or maybe the honda h logo or maybe maybe uh you know 7.2 something you know so
0: so everybody in the world has seen a car with your emblem on it
1: yeah and you know it's it's really funny when i talk to people they say well why don't they make those themselves? So it's kind of an interesting question, but very few of the car makers make anything. They call them auto assembly plants. And basically they're buying every part they use from somebody else and assembling them. So
0: yeah, I've attended many auto mechanica shows in Germany. And remember the first one I went to, I saw these people making emblems like you. And, and I thought, wait a minute, what, why, you know, and then you start to realize, and then you start going to car factories. I remember the first time I went to the Porsche factory, and there's these carts coming in with all these plaques on on trays, basically. And they were saying, yeah, we really don't make anything here. I think at that, that time the engines were about it, but the bodies aren't made here. They're just painted and put together and all these parts come in. People don't realize that, that, yeah, most manufacturers just manufacture. They don't make. They just...
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Wow. Well, this is just wonderful. I mean, it's, it's so spectacular. And another thing I wanted to touch on that you've been a part of and one of the founding members was the Checkered Flag 200 group out of the P Peterson Museum now there's a group of guys and you were right there at the beginning
1: yeah yeah I think I remember number 12 or something like that wow over there and uh like many people our our benefactor over there is Bruce Meyer yes. and you know pretty much everybody knows Bruce and he pretty much called and you know said I'm showing people through a an empty ore box building down here and uh we're going to turn it into a car museum and you love cars so much i i knew that you would just sign up and and be one of our members right away and so so sure enough i did i signed up pretty much right then and there and i've been a part of their the board of the uh checkered flag 200 group which is a special support group oh gee i've i've uh, been deeply involved with the peterson ever since the very first day
0: when was that what year would that
1: holy mackerel (laughs) we're going back now now you've got me
0: (laughs) was it in the 70s
1: no it wasn't that far back it was probably in the late 90s Uh,
0: oh okay Okay. It's
1: it's been, well, it's been 25 years at least. So I remember when we did that celebration. Oh my
0: gosh. Well, it's incredible. Well, this dives us into racing because my understanding is that when you were 16, you jumped Mm -hmm. into a Model A. This was way back in 1961 and you decided to go racing. Was that the beginning? (laughs)
1: Well, it was, but you have to realize that my my racing in that car was, uh, oh, geez, so I had been going to San Fernando drag strip, so I took a a virtually stock Model A Ford, four-cylinder, 40 horsepower, (laughs) and I entered it in a drag race at San Fernando. A drag uh, race? And uh, I knew I knew exactly how fast it would go in the quarter mile because it would accelerate to top speed and it would not go any faster than 58 miles per hour. <laughs> okay. So I told the guy on the starting line, I said, my timing slip is going to say 58 miles an hour when I get down there, and I I said, don't start anybody else. That's going to take me a while, you know. <laughs> so any, anyway, uh, we had quite a good time with that. But that opened the door, and and sure enough, I started going back to San Fernando Drag Strip with uh, a little more little more potent stuff maybe sure. a, a borrowed car from dad and so on and so forth but that started it all in in 1961 I was what 7 17 or 18 yeah, and uh, young man yeah what was really the fun part of that car and really my launching was was I asked my mom if I could I wanted to go to the World's Fair uh, in 1964. And she said, well, how are you going to do that? And I said, well, I've got some friends, and they're going to take their Model A's, and we're going to drive our Model A's from here to the World's Fair. Well, where's that? It's in New York. No, oh my God. <laughs> and, and she said – are you kidding? And I said, nope, I've been saving up. I've got $100. I'll probably be gone pretty much all summer. And uh, I'm going to go to the New York World's Fair and back before I have to go to school again.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: So I, I did that in a virtually stock Model A Ford. So oh my gosh. That, that was really fun. And uh, we had a bunch of teenagers, and boy, we, we just had a ball doing that. Oh
0: my gosh. This is wow. Well, there's a beginning for you. And then as we move forward into the 70s and 80s, I mean, you crewed for IMSA teams. Uh, you oh, crewed, yeah. You crewed at Le Mans. I mean, there's some names here Dick Barber, Ralph Cook, Wins Racing. Yeah. Yeah. Walk us through some of that part of your racing career I oh, say career geez, oh. but you were you're having yeah. fun right
1: yeah I was having fun I had bought the Cobra by then and I was doing started I'd started vintage racing already and uh, I had been real involved in all of that and in traveling to the racetrack some other people were on the plane and said oh my boss is going to Le Mans and I said, "Oh really?" and he said she said, yeah. And I said, "Well, we're going to go to Le Mans as just, you know, we're going to we're going to go as as spectators. We had been once in 74 and wanted to go again. So, we were on our way and they said, "Well, you know, you should give him a call." And so I did that. And when we spoke, he said, "We need some crewmen, you know, and we need some help." And so I said, "Well, I can do that." And they said, "Well, you you'll need to call the guy who's putting the car together and get together with them. And and he said, yeah, come on down. And so he said, we're going to go to the 24 hours at Daytona in a month or so. So why don't you start with us there? And then from there, we're going to go to Sebring. And from there, we're going to go on to road Atlanta. And pretty soon I realized that we were going to do the entire IMSA season (laughs) in a Porsche RSR. And Wow. So I became very well acquainted with these guys, and we became friends, and went on and on about uh, about all of that, and I remained part of their active, uh, racing crew for, geez, oh probably five or six years Wow! and doing, doing 20, 25 races a year. And in the meantime, in between all of that, I was making nameplates for cars. Well, and, I was
0: going to say, how are you yeah. running a business while you're off at the races? all the I time? know,
1: I know <laughs> it was really, really kook, <laughs> but you know, I guess where there's a will, there's a way. And yeah. I managed all that, but you know what it, it really boiled down to having a great team at work who would support that activity letting me letting me go off and do that but keep in mind that we would leave thursday night and fly to the race and race the race and fly home sunday night i'll be back and at work on monday <laughs> i'd be i'd be rolling in at midnight or 1 a.m. but i got up at at five and went off to work the next morning. That's that's
0: a passion and dedication there. Now you, you casually passed over a little comment and all of that mentioning when I bought the Cobra, you've got a, you bought a 66 427, I believe it was in 1971. You can't casually glance over something like that.
1: Yeah. Well, (laughs) you know, it's a big problem making badges for Shelby and being around the cars.
0: No kidding. Yeah. Like in a kid in a candy store.
1: It's infectious, you know, and all of a sudden you realize that there's not a a better sports car around right now. (laughs) I just was so bitten by the bug that I pushed very, very, very hard to uh, find one that was already modified for racing. It was not an SC version, but a streetcar that had been converted to SC kind of condition. Mm -hmm. So it was pretty much ready to race. And that's when uh, three or four friends of mine, we, we went out to Willow Springs and rented the racetrack and started driving around and not knowing anything about racing, you know, other than obviously watching it and knowing it, but we pretty much taught ourselves how to drive and really got fairly proficient at it. So it was no, uh, really so. a lot of fun. Really wow.
0: Of fun. Well, I know you got involved with SCCA and also through Vintage Racing, and you ended up winning a championship. Was it a couple years? Uh, uh-huh. Is that true?
1: Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, I gravitated. I didn't do that in the Cobra. I, I decided that I would get a, I think it was an A-Sedan. Camaro, nineteen sixty-eight Camaro that had a three hundred and fifty-eight engine and four-speed trans, you know, and it yeah. was all stripped down. Just had a cage inside and and one seat and little few instruments and a few switches, and so. I bought that and a friend and I I shared it. We drove around together and we did our own separate races and his turn, my turn, his turn, my turn sort of a thing. And uh, yeah. we went on and, and ended up in SCCA and we, we won a solo one uh, championship. It was just another step. Closer to real racing, but we did. I won the championship one year, and he won it the next. So awesome! That was, yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh,
0: yeah. Well, you also got to tell me a little bit about this group you ran with called the Wild West Racers.
1: Ah, uh, jeez. <laughs>
0: tell me about that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, the, <laughs> you know, we had raced all over California. We'd we'd been to Riverside, and we'd been to Willow Springs, and we'd been to Monterey, and We felt like we were done with all that. And we thought, you know, these historic cars should be racing on historic tracks. And so we know that other vintage races were going on in other parts of the country. So we kind of solicited those and said, you know, could we come and race at your track with you from California. So they thought, well, well, that's a good idea. Why don't you do that? So we looked into it and, and made a deal with uh, Robert Pass and rented one of his trucks and a driver for better part of a year. And we had there were six of us and we got together, formed a little alliance over a dinner and a cocktail or two and <laughs> and the next thing you know, we've got an eighteen wheeler and, and we're we're headed out for the summer. And we just left the cars and the truck out there going from place to place. And then we'd fly home and, and fly back and fly home and fly back and, wow. uh, and race the summer away. It was really, really fun. And uh, that started, I think, holy mackerel, that started in, I think, 82 or 3 or 4. So we'd been at it, you know, racing for, you know, a decade already. We started doing this and that, it ended up just being huge amount of fun you know articles started appearing in the paper when we showed up you know the wild west racers (laughs) are due to show up here and everybody was like nice you know standing by the at the airport waving at us you know it was really funny and we just had a, a lovely time together and we've remained best friends ever since and uh you know the Time is, has taken a couple of the guys, but the rest of us still get together and have our annual Christmas party and celebrate uh, celebrate the wonderfulness of our youth.
0: <laughs> yes, definitely. Now, one of the cars that relates to that time period is a have a special car, 68 Penske Trans Am Mark Donahue Camaro. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, boy. All yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. In the mid 80s, I got a call from a guy who said, You know, I've got this car and I'd like to sell it. And uh, I hear it has some Penske history. And, wh- and I said, Well, why did you call me? And he said, Well, I saw something, a note in one of the magazines about the Wild West racers and it mentioned your name. And he said, I looked you up in the phone book. And <laughs> I was just wondering if you could help me sell this car so at any rate i said well tell me about it and he said well it's got penske history and blah 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 and i said oh yeah right i said you do not have that car that car is likely in the smithsonian (laughs) it is such a famous car and he said well that's what they told me when i bought it so i said nah you don't have it so i said uh if you want to sell it you know he said well there's some kids down the street that want to buy it and i he said but how much should i charge and i said you know a." An old Camaro. I had just sold my SCCA car I had, so I knew he could get four grand for it. So oh, I said, S- "Get four grand for it." And he said, "Oh my gosh!" He called me back and he said, "The kids are said four hundred maybe." Oh geez. So I I said, "Okay, okay, I'll come look at it." So I had all these books about Penske. I'd been reading about you know the unfair advantage and all the stories and just reading all the books that I could get. And so there were, you know, because the car was so famous, there were pictures of it everywhere. Of course. So I took these books with me and and went over and started looking at it. And I was amazed when I saw things like the instrument panel and the steering wheel and the seat and the roll cage and the sheet metal covering the dash. And I'm looking at the picture and I'm looking at the car and I'm looking at the picture and I'm like
0: this can't be this,
1: this is the car.
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs> and
1: and I mean I'm counting rivets, you know, on the air cleaner assembly and from photographs and the air cleaner. I mean all of these highly visible parts that were so pensky and so Authentic. I mean, it, nobody, nobody remade that. You know. How did
0: the it, guy get the car?
1: It, it had been through seven owners. It had gone. It had gone from Penske Shop in Pennsylvania to the uh, the president of Sears Point Raceway, a guy named Craig Murray, bought it after the last Trans Am race of the season which was at Sears Point, and and so Roger sold it to him right on the spot.
0: Yeah, make more money for the next season.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and then he had it for a year or so, and he sold it to a guy in Boise, Idaho. He sold it to a guy in Minnesota, and he sold it to a fellow named Bill Freeman in San Diego, and he sold it to this guy. His name was Bob Eckhart, and Bob Eckhart sold it to me. Oh, my I-
0: God. And you must so have just been, been like all over the country vibrating but, when you figured out what was sitting before you.
1: Oh, I couldn't. I couldn't get that car out of there fast enough.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, to think that yeah, the kids down thank God the kids down the street didn't have 4000 bucks. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but I paid him quite a bit more than that. I I tripled or four times his money because I said, you know, this car really deserves to be to be properly bought and I wouldn't want you to feel as though took I, of I I stole it from you and I I don't want you to think that because one of these days you're going to read about this car again and I I want you to be
0: yeah one feel of its good about proud it. Well, owners honorable yeah i guy want you, to, you are that's, i want you to
1: be happy and I, I i i want you to be able to call me up and be my friend you know so,
0: <laughs> well that's very so curious. anyway
1: yeah I, we said said about uh the restoration, which wasn't much, and uh we finished it in 1990 and or no probably 80 late late 80s and i took it to monterey for the chevrolet year only for display because there wasn't a historic racing class for trans-am cars oh, okay so i approached steve Earle while i was there and i said hey have a look at this you know and he's like oh my gosh and he said oh my gosh that would just make a, a great vintage racing group with us so uh anyway i knew a fellow named Richard Rodeck had a Boss 302, and and another guy had, had another Penske Camaro, the 69, and another guy had, uh, oh my gosh, the Javelin. Uh, oh, Ken yeah. Ken Epsman had Javelin. Yeah. And so we had six or seven or eight or nine cars. The University of Pittsburgh Camaro was out there somewhere. And so I started calling these guys and saying, hey, you know, if I can get a group together, would, would you come mm-hmm. to someplace and race this thing? So I told Steve Earle, I said, well, I've only got nine cars and that doesn't really make a very good group for you. And he said, you bring nine cars and let's see how it goes. So <laughs> so we made a deal and we told each other, you know, none of us are, are really very accomplished driving these things yet. So let's keep together, you know, let's let's stay yeah. together. Yeah,
0: make a and race. And really
1: door handle to door handle and drive around. And, and even though we, uh, we only had the nine cars, the fans just loved it the noise and you know oh, they were yeah. super super flashy in all different colors and the magic of the of the 60s and 70s transam came back to life right then and there and wow. and today we're still racing those cars and I'm I'm excited to be taking it to Monterey this year with the historic transam group and we're proud to say that we've got we've got 50 restored historic transam cars that are oh my all of the most the most authentic. There's not a reproduction car in the bunch. And these are the real cars that that the real guys drove. And boy, I'll tell you, did they put on a show. It is just super fun
0: this is fantastic and it's a great segue into what we've got to talk about before i let you go today because we could sit here and talk about your cars for hours and hours and hours mm-hmm. and that is laguna seca and the rolex uh, motorsport motorsport reunion i wanted oh, to boy. ask you what that means to you because you've been to that track so many times you've raced there you just told a great story of a group you're bringing this year what does laguna seca mean to you
1: well well you know Laguna Seca was pretty much the birthplace of road racing. You know between between Laguna Seca and Riverside, you know uh, the whole the whole racing world started in in the 50s at these places. And to me, it's really kind of been like home. I've raced there quite a lot you know, I was, I was faster 50 years ago, but
0: we all were Tom. (laughs)
1: Yeah. But it's like hallowed ground and, uh, to set foot on the place, you know, and, and to recall all the wonderful Can-Am races and formula 5,000 races. And Oh my gosh, all the sports car races. And the, I I remember all the sprites going out there, duking it out, (laughs) Lee Mueller and the guys in the, in the, uh, CD production, uh, Oh, yeah. triumphs and oh my gosh it was it uh, laguna seca is very special this is going to be my i believe it's my 45th consecutive oh my start gosh. at at the historic so wow.
0: it's
1: it's been it's really been a a magical place for me and the moment I pack up and leave I start looking forward to the next time I get to go.
0: Yeah, so. I want to remind the listeners, you know, if you've never been to any vintage race, this is the one to go to. Of course, it's during Car Week, so you've got all the other cool events that you've heard here on Cars Yeah, the Quail, Pebble Beach Concours, Concorso Italiano, uh, the Jet Party, all the different events that happen. The tour, I mean, it just goes on 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 and on, but the great thing is a few years ago, gonna Seca Historics, they expanded it to four days of racing. So if you just want to go out and just want to watch racing for four days, you can do it. And Tom, here's a great example of what happens when you go to a vintage race. You can walk up to the car, talk to the owners and ask them about the car. And Tom will sit there and tell you about the stories. That's a big part of it, isn't it? Oh,
1: it's a, it's a great part of it. I can only say that my life around the cars has been pretty magical. And yet when I stop and really think about what the magic is, and the magic is really the people and the relationships that you develop, and there are spectators and fans who come back year after year and say, hi, remember me? It's just phenomenal to realize how important all of the people that come to these events are yeah. and what they mean to us and what we mean to them it's really super special
0: yeah it is the people it's, uh, it's a recurring theme here you know one thing that i like to ask people before i let you go today i'm just wondering if there's a book perhaps you'd like to share because i love sharing books could be a car book it could be a self-help book could be anything that maybe relates to vintage racing but is there one book on your shelf that you might recommend
1: Holy mackerel. <laughs> I spend most of my time looking at the at the the latest mo- motorsports magazines, you know, the Magneto and Oct- Octane and and s- some of those, but uh oh my gosh, I'm I'm remiss, but there was a a wonderful book Leo Levine wrote and it was the Ford the Dust and the Glory and it it talked about all of the the Ford products and all the racing that went on, and he was an executive at Mercedes-Benz, and uh, uh, and and ended up being a good friend of mine. Oh, really? I uh, have really thoroughly enjoyed ford's dust and glory by leo levine so that's an interesting oh, interesting book great, to read
0: great great recommendation i appreciate that well you shared so much with us today and as i said you and i could talk forever about all the different cars we didn't even touch on some of the other cars you have um which include some bonneville record holding cars and uh, a wonderful interscope danny and gaius porsche Ooh, i love porsche's 934.5 turbo but you know what I think the main thing is to convince our listeners who've not been to the Laguna Seca Historics is to go. The Rolex Monterey Motorsport Reunion is the event. If you're going to start or go anywhere, that's the weekend to be there. Uh, coming up soon, and I just would encourage people to spend time. It's August 16th through the 19th. Before I let you go today, Tom, are there maybe some parting words of wisdom or guidance or thought you might share when it comes to the vintage racing world for people listening today?
1: Well, the only thing I can say is that most of my relationships have come because of cars, and my job is cars, and my hobby is cars, and cars are my life and uh i just give give it a minute you know, and think about your car in a different way and and realize that some people's lives revolve around cars and uh I know we all touch cars almost daily, but they ha take different meanings for different people
0: so yeah it is all about the cars but more so the people and the relationships that are built around That's all right. these things and yeah some i've just met so many great people over the years talking here on cars yeah with all the inspiring automotive uh, enthusiasts now is there a way for people to, l- to learn more about your business do you have a website
1: not really. I have such a specialized clientele. Yeah. Um, they uh usually don't go there, but but if, if you're interested in learning more about the business and expand a little expansion on, on what I told you earlier, there is a a video uh on YouTube that is titled The Origin of the Shelby Cobra Badge.
0: Oh, okay.
1: And I think if uh if you wanna take uh 10 minutes and and learn, learn more and, and actually see the products and see how they were made and so on and so forth, there's a little teeny video out there for you to watch. And it's called The Origin of the Shelby Cobra Badge. You just type that into the search bar and it'll Pop up. pop
0: up i'll put a link to that on tom's cars yeah show notes page i'm gonna go watch that right as soon as we hang up here and also i'll put a link to the rolex monterey motorsports reunion you can go and get tickets in advance again i can't encourage you enough to go enjoy these races because once you go you'll be bit uh tom's got me bit 45 years of going i've only been the last 32 years so i've got some catching up to do to a fast racer like you but it's a wonderful wonderful event i want to do a shout out thank you to uh our friend barry uh at the track He's He's the one who introduced me to Tom. And what's great is they're doing some major renovations there. So you're going to be on a new surface. They've got some the new bridge. Uh, they're really making some strides. The new ownership and what's happening at Laguna Seca is really tremendous. So this year is going to be extra special. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Oh, it's going to be extra special, all right. And uh, they're uh, having a tribute to the Chevrolet Corvette. Yes. And uh, there are going to be a scad of famous Corvette racing cars there uh, that people don't normally get to see, some coming out from the GM Heritage Center and others coming from private owners, but uh, there's going to be a tremendous uh, display of Corvette and uh, you don't want to miss that one.
0: you believe it's 70 years a Corvette? I, where does the time gone? <laughs>
1: it's, <laughs> exactly.
0: It's a little frightening. Tom, thanks for being so generous today with your time and sharing a wonderful life you've had around cars. You have figured it out, and you figured it out a long time ago. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you at the Rolex Monterey Motorsports Reunion. Look forward to it. Thank you. You're welcome. And don't miss my talk tomorrow with another vintage racer where we get into Laguna Seca, Jonathan Ornstein. Tune in tomorrow. 20, 50, or 100 years from now, will there be a workforce to care for the collector vehicles we love? With auto shop programs disappearing across the country, it's a question we enthusiasts have to ask. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these vehicles aren't lost to time. One of the many ways RPM For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of the collector vehicle skills trade, visit RPM Foundation today. They're one of the charities of choice here on Cars Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find
1: show notes and inspiring automotive fun.